0: Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from Fenway Park in Boston. It's the Cleveland Guardians 8, the Boston Red Sox 3. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And he did it. He did it. He got away with it. Francona did exactly what we thought he was going to do, and somehow he gets away with it. He pushes... All the right buttons. A win is a win. And uh, Brian Shaw gets the start on the bullpen day. The first start of his major league career. Uh, It sets the record for the most appearances before your first start uh, by a major league player. By by a lot. Uh, David Robertson had the record previously. Uh, Obviously with the emergence of bullpen days. Uh, this record is bound to be broken again and again by some reliever getting the call like Brian Shaw got in this game. The, the comment section on Guardians 2, when the Guardians tweeted out the lineup with Shaw as the starting pitcher, the comment section was just perfect. Just all the perfect GIFs, all the perfect memes and reactions, and everybody just absolutely, absolutely hammering the Guardians' Twitter account, uh, for starting Brian Shaw. It was it was so funny to see. And uh, it ends up working out. They win the game. I mean, I, we he did. Francona did exactly what we thought he was going to do, which is what we would have done is when he gets down on that first inning, we would have cashed in our chips and walked away from the table. Not Francona. Not Francona. He's pushing his luck. He gives up a double to Xander Bogarts in that first inning, but he gets out of it other than that, right? Strikes out J.D. Martinez to end the thing. So, okay, Francona stays at the table, keeps playing. When he walks Christian Vasquez to lead off the second inning, most of us would have cashed our chips and walked away from the table. Not Francona. He plays on. It works. Strikes out Ploiecki, gets a flyoff from Yomar Sanchez, gets Bobby Dolbeck, to line out. Okay, he has basically made it through the order one time. At this point, anybody else would have cashed their chips in and walked away from the table, but not Terry Francona. He stays with Brian Shaw into the third inning because he's a maniac. Gives up a double to Jalen Davis. Uh, hits Rob Refsnyder. Now he's going through the order a second time. Verdugo hits into a, a force out. And he lets him face Xander Bogarts again, and Bogarts shoots one through at 106.9 miles per hour, shoots one through the left side, brings in Jalen Davis to score. Now, he did have a 5 nothing lead at this point. So, it's not that crazy. If we're sticking with the blackjack metaphor I'm kind of working with, yeah, if you're up a, hundred, a couple hundred bucks, maybe you do see a few extra hands. Yeah, you lose some chips, but you still walk away from the table, up a few hundred bucks. That's kind of what Francona did on this day, right? He was up 5-0, and he decided to push Shaw as literally as far as he could push him. He goes through the order a second time. He gets to Bogarts a second time, gives up the first run of the game, then he goes and gets him. Now, of course, Sandlin, it took him a second to settle in. J.D. Martinez would be hit by the pitch. He would load the bases. Uh, Two guys hit by a pitch in the inning. Christian Vasquez would single and bring in another run, which is credited To uh, Back to Brian Shaw, but then Ploiecki would hit into a double play to get them out of the inning. So they survive the inning. Sandlin comes in, survives the inning. And then in the fourth, with a clean start to the inning, he goes to Kirk McCarty. And McCarty is fantastic. I mean, what a box score for the young man to get his first major league win. He goes four innings in relief, gives up one hit over four innings, no runs, only one walk, which is great, huge improvement, and four strikeouts. So McCarty comes in in that fourth inning and ends up nailing down the win gets us all the way to Eli Morgan and Class A to finish out the game. So Francona does; he he makes it works. He makes all the right calls on the day, and I couldn't believe it when I I I didn't get a, a full honesty, full transparency. I did not get to watch. Pretty much any of this game, hanging out with some friends. Uh, it was a night to do other things, but obviously, you know me. I love the game. I'm gonna check in. I'm gonna sneak away and check my phone. My brother texts me probably after that first inning, and he says, "Well, Shaw survived, or something like that." And I so I look at my phone in the third inning. I see that they've given up two runs in the third inning. I assume Shaw got through the first. They took him out. They bring in Kirk McCarty. And, yeah, in the third inning, he gives up two runs. Okay, fine, reasonable. Now, I check my phone and see that Shaw had lasted for that long, that Shaw had lasted for two-minute third inning, and then he was the one that gave up the runs. I was like, Francona is an absolute maniac, and he did exactly what everyone on Guardian's Twitter predicted, which is stick with Shaw probably a little too long. Now, like we said. He's up 5 nothing, and it works. Uh, obviously, this is the top storyline of the game. Uh it works. Uh, the bullpen really does a fantastic job on their bullpen day. And Shaw afterwards said, you know, I thought maybe I'd get that I that record would be mine. Uh I figured that I'd made a lot of appearances without a start. Uh so he does get that record. He said he's ready to go Sunday, which would be Savali's next turn in the rotation. The injured Savali. He said, yeah, if they want me to do it again, I'll do it again on Sunday. Let's let's let it rip. And uh, it's funny because, like, when they interviewed him post-game, he doesn't care. He really – he doesn't care when he pitches. He doesn't care what you think about him. I mean, you talk about the right kind of attitude to be a bullpen arm. He literally lets it all roll off his shoulders, roll off his back. He he was like – I think uh, I think Andre Knott or one of the people in that post-game interview made a joke like uh, – like, uh, you better be looking at your uh, Twitter mentions, and he's like, yeah, whatever, (laughs) I see him, he sees it, he sees your tweets, he sees how you feel about him, Guardians fans, he doesn't care, he's a bullpen guy, he's gonna go out there, he's, it's, (laughs) it's literally the line from uh, Bull Durham, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, sometimes it rains, that's literally Brian Shaw's attitude, uh, every relief appearance he goes into, so, I, it's funny. It's it's a funny situation. It's funny that it worked out this well for the Guardians. Now it helps that the Guardians' offense kind of goes off at the start of this game. Uh, they go off against the Red Sox starter Winkowski, who I think I think I caught them saying he was coming back off the COVID list. I think I heard that, uh, but anyways, he only lasts three innings. He gives up six hits, five earned runs, a walk, a strikeout, and two home runs allowed. So that definitely helps. I mean, Zach Plesak's probably sitting down there like, are you freaking kidding me? Brian Shaw is going to get five runs of support, and I can't buy a run to save my life over here? Uh, Yeah, that's just the way it works out sometimes, right? So the offense absolutely goes off. And the bottom of the order, which definitely... Definitely contributed to the loss in the first game of the series. Gets a little revenge in this one. Austin Hedges with a solo home run in the second inning. 101.6 mile per hour exit velocity, 25 degree launch angle, 387 over the green monster down the left field line. So Hedges gets a little revenge with a solo home run. And then Nolan Jones with a big, massive Booming, 101.5 mile per hour, 34-degree launching of 408 feet, clears the bullpen in right center field. A three-run home run, and they did it to themselves. They went and hit Andres Jimenez and put him on base. The two true outcomes were Andres Jimenez. You hit him or he hits you. Uh, Jimenez, God, it's like a magnet. He keeps getting hit by the pitch. And Naylor with a double, with a one-out double to kick off the inning, So this whole thing happens with two outs. Uh, A nice two-out rally there. In fact, the run in the first inning comes with two outs. Quan and Rosario get out to lead off the game. Jose Ramirez draws a walk. Naylor with a single. And then Owen Miller with a single that brings in Jose Ramirez to score, aggressively running the bases. And they get a little two-out rally going there in the first inning. Uh, Hedges' home run comes with one out in the second. Uh, And then in the third inning, yeah, it's a ground out, double ground out. So we got two out in the inning. Under 10 minutes is hit by that pitch. And then it sets up Nolan Jones for a big, you know, two out, three RBI home run. That's just huge from Nolan Jones there. So the bottom of the order, who did leave a lot of guys on base on Monday night, definitely come through and deliver to kick things off here in that third inning. And then something we talked about, right? Being able to put up a zero after your team scores. So, yes, Boston does score. They score two in the bottom of that third inning. But then they come right back and they let the Guardians score two in the top of the fourth. And that had to have been demoralizing. Straw with a leadoff single to get things going. Another thing we talked about, turning the lineup over, right? Getting guys out at the bottom of the lineup, setting things up for the top of the lineup. They're able to do it here. Uh, Straw with a single. Ahmed Rosario with a single. Quan surprisingly strikes out. It happens. Uh, Jose Ramirez draws a walk. Loads the bases. Josh Naylor hits a fielder's choice up the middle, and the you know the Red Sox do this to themselves. It didn't have to go down like this. Uh, with one out, it's a hopper towards second base. The second baseman for Boston, who was uh, Yomer Sanchez on the day tries to do the Andres Jimenez from the All-Star game. He tries to flip it behind his back, and he throws it wide of Bogert's. And in fact, he throws it so wide of Xander Bogert's that another run, an extra run, comes in to score. So they don't take care of the baseball. You know, that's something you learn in Little League, right? You gotta take care of the baseball. You can't be giving up extra runs like that. You can't be throwing it around the infield and giving up runs. So he tries to be a little too fancy, and he pays for it with two runs there coming in to score on the Josh Naylor fielder's choice. So, yeah, that's a big way to answer back by the Guardians. Uh, when you've just given up two runs to come back and score two more in the next half inning is really, really a huge momentum blow uh, in this game. So, it's good stuff. I'm actually curious how much did it move the win probability line? Because, uh, yeah, it takes a dip obviously when the uh, Red Sox score. It's still pretty much in favor of the Guardians the entire night, but then shoots right back up uh, when Naylor back up to a ninety-four percent win probability when Naylor hits that fielder's choice. So it really jumps back into the Guardians' favor at that point. Uh, the teams would go on attack on insurance run uh, or back-to-back runs in the eighth inning. Uh, Singles uh, from Quan uh, and Rosario in the eighth. Uh, and then does Jose get the RBI in that situation? Um, it's a nice insurance run. It's nice to be able to tack one on there in the eighth inning because they do answer back. Um, oh, no, that's right. Quan had stole second base, so Rosario's single is the one that drives him in. Uh, Rosario gets the RBI in that situation. So that's back-to-back work from the top of the lineup. That's a nice little insurance run right there. That's some small ball right there. A single, a stolen base and then another single. That's good stuff. In fact, uh they were aggressive with Quan in that situation. Right? They very easily could have held him up, but they were aggressive. They challenged the throw coming in from right field and it pays dividends. He comes in to score. Uh because Bogerts would double the lead off the 8th inning. Uh go off the monster. Quan plays that one well off the monster, but then Ploiecki with two outs would also double off the monster. That one uh, Quan would not play well. He would slam into the wall, uh, and they would get a run in the bottom of the eighth inning. So it's a good thing we tacked on that insurance run in the top of the inning. Uh, and then everybody goes one, two, three in the ninth. Classe shuts the door like Klasse does, of course with a ground out to end the game. Uh, and yeah, 10 pitches. He's so efficient. Kase is so, whether he's striking you out or getting that ground out, he is so efficient. Uh, So it's a really good day from the Guardians all around. That offense really did a good job. Everybody contributes. uh, Even without a base hit, Andres Jimenez is on base twice with a walk and hit by pitch. Everybody else in the lineup has a hit. uh, So it's good stuff from the Guardians offense. Three hits at the top of the lineup for Stephen Kwan. Multi-hit games for Ahmed Rosario and Josh Naylor. And then big home runs, of course, from the bottom of the lineup. Man, when seven and eight in your lineup are hitting home runs, that's a really nice thing right there. When they're finishing off rallies like Nolan Jones does in that third inning, that's a really nice thing from the bottom third of your lineup. So uh, it's great stuff there. And then Kirk McCarty. Let's just talk a little bit about Shaw and Kirk McCarty. How were they getting it done? Uh, what was what did Winkowski do wrong? Well, I can tell you that one. That's an easy one. If we jump over to the Illustrator, those home runs Winkowski gave up were just fastballs up. It's a two-seam sinker to Austin Hedges, uh, slightly in, up at the letters, and he absolutely cranks it. And then Nolan Jones, same thing, tries to beat him with an inside fastball up at the letters once again, and he turns on that on a 1-0 count. So Winkowski threw some fastballs up in the zone and paid for it. That's what went on there. Uh, for Kurt McCarty and for Brian Shaw, which is really the two big pitching storylines of the game, how did Shaw's cutter do? He threw it 44 times, 50 pitches total on the day for Shaw. It's probably been a while since he did that. Uh, but 44 cutters, of course. It worked okay. Seven called strikes, only three whiffs on 18 swings. Uh, they put eight of them in play, but you know he was able to limit the damage as you saw it's a 23% CSW on that pitch. Uh, none of his other pitchers, none of his other pitches mattered. Uh, he didn't hit with his slider once. He threw for three balls. He missed with a f- one fastball, missed with one changeup, and they fouled off the one curve. I don't know why he doesn't mix up his pitches a little bit more. 44 cutters is kind of ridiculous. It's not like this cutter dominates. Uh, he varies the speed. My God, the minimum speed on the cutter was 90.7. The maximum was 96.6. I mean, at that speed, it's almost working like two different pitches. But yeah, he just sticks with that cutter no matter what. Uh, and then for Kirk McCarty, he was a little bit of everything. He threw the fastball the most 32 times. Uh, it's a fastball that averages 92.7. Got it up to 94.7 uh, max velocity. Uh, it was all right on the day. Uh, he had five whiffs, three called strikes on it for 25% CSW on that pitch. The slider he threw 20 times. The curveball he only threw eight times. He was actually getting some called strikes on those breaking balls, uh, eight combined called strikes on the slider and curve. So maybe they just were laying off it, just waiting for fastballs to swing at. Uh, definitely swung the most at the fastball. Uh, mixes in a couple cutters uh, and one changeup. So. He was kind of using a little bit of everything and uh you know getting some decently weak contact off of the fastball, too. So they put five in play, they averaged 89.2. Uh the max was only 94.5, so not one hard hit ball off of his uh off of his fastball. So that's kind of what Kirk McCarty was doing to survive his four innings. Uh it's not nothing was really dominant. It's a 31% CSW total on the day for McCarty. Like we said, he had the four strikeouts. Let's go back to the illustrator. Let's see where he got those strikeouts. It was mostly up in the zone. Uh, He got J.D. Martinez to chase a high fastball up at the armpits. Uh, He got Christian Vasquez with a high slider in the zone. He got Yomer Sanchez with a high fastball uh, as well as swinging strike. And then he got uh, a slider down to Bobby Dahlbeck. Most of these are in the strike zone. So he wasn't really getting guys to expand the strike zone. Uh, It was all for, remember, this is the lefty, Kirk McCarty. So all four of these strikeouts came on the arm side of the plate for him, right? Away to the righties, into the lefties. That's where he was pounding the zone mostly, uh, keeping everything to his arm side of the plate. So, uh, yeah, it's surprising that he was able to get that many strikeouts without getting guys to expand the zone. Uh, all of those strikeouts coming pretty much in the strike zone. JD Martinez's fastball is right at the top of the strike zone, but most of his strikeouts are coming in the strike zone, which is interesting. So yeah, uh, good job by Kirk McCarty in a interesting situation probably for him, uh, being a guy that comes in piggybacking off of a you know two relievers like that. At least he gets to start with a nice clean inning in that fourth inning, and he's rock solid absolutely rock solid so yeah it's fun stuff from the guardians like we said francona just pushes all the right buttons on the day and uh comes through with the w so that's honestly that's all my thoughts on this one uh it was a fun game i'm i'm actually you know i'm sorry i missed most of it although i'm glad i was able to check in and see all the highlights we also got uh you know big poppy uh He got his big celebration, his Hall of Fame celebration. We didn't talk much about the Hall of Fame. Frankly, it just wasn't on my radar this year. I don't even know when they they did it earlier. They did it last weekend. I I don't even know when they went through with the celebration. But David Ortiz is in the Baseball Hall of Fame. And he just seems like, I mean, if he were in Cleveland, we would have loved him. You understand why the Red Sox fans love him. Uh, He looks like just an absolute ball of positivity and love walking around uh, Fenway Park, and uh, the fans really respond to him. So it was nice to see him get his moment in front of the fans in Fenway. Uh, Nolan Jones, you know, he's a Boston guy. He said he grew up rooting for Boston, so it was probably pretty special for him to hit that home run in Fenway Park. It's a a magical ballpark. It really is. Uh, I got to go there once in college. I got to visit and go to a game there, and it really is a magical place to watch a game. Uh, so yeah, uh, really, it's a ridiculous ballpark. I mean, don't get me wrong. The dimensions are ridiculous, but it's a really fun place to watch a baseball game. And, uh, it's just a great atmosphere, great energy. So, um, yeah, so that was some cool moments, pregame, some postgame moments with Nolan Jones getting the postgame interview on the field, uh, talking about how special it is for him, uh, so far in his rookie season. So, Good stuff on a good night for the Guardians. The Minnesota Twins end up taking a loss to the Brewers. So, uh, yeah, the Guardians keep chipping away. Two and a half back in this American League Central. We are not going anywhere. Everybody's anticipating that the Guardians are going to be buyers. Now, what's weird is, I mean, we are days away from the end of the month here. And there hasn't been, like, any trades. It has been all quiet so far. It's just been rumor after rumor, but nothing... I mean, not even like, okay, these teams are in serious talks right now. They're just hammering out the details. Like, really nothing to sink your teeth into if you're into the trade deadline. We have to assume the Guardians at this point are going to be buyers. We have to assume they've got to clear some minor league players out of the system just because of the 40-man roster crunch, right? They have to come up with some options there or they're just going to lose guys, they don't want to just have them walk away in the rule 5 draft next year. So they've got to come up a way to get value for him and one of the ways to get value for him is trading for established major league talent. So yeah, some help in the bullpen would be great. Another starter would be great. Help at catcher would be great. We're still waiting. We are still sitting and waiting. Uh I think this was another piece of baseball news yesterday. Uh Contreras and Ian Happ, both longtime Chicago Cubs. I think this was their last home game before the trade deadline. And they both had a moment like, this is probably the last game we're going to play in Wrigley Field. Another fantastic place to watch a game from. Uh, The Legendary Parks definitely hold up uh, to their reputation. And they acted like that was their last game. Like they definitely were going to get traded. So we'll see what goes down in the next few days. It's going to happen fast, man. The dominoes are going to fall fast. I do believe that Antonetti and Chernoff are taking phone calls like crazy to make trades, to trade guys away. I believe it because those guys put the work in, right? Even when they're quiet, you know they're putting the work in. So uh, I'm sure there are phone calls being made. We'll see when when the first domino falls, they'll all come tumbling down. Guys will be moving all over the place. Hopefully, you know, hopefully we're aggressive at the deadline and we take advantage of a weak American League Central. We take advantage of a chance to make the playoffs because you never know what could happen. You never know. I mean, Atlanta last year, uh, you know, nobody thought they were going to make it. Weren't they They're like the lowest? The wildcard team had a better winning percentage than the AL East or the NL East winner. And Atlanta goes on to win the World Series. We almost did it in 97, right? That was the weakest team of the 90s, was the 97 team. And we're one out away from winning the World Series. So anything can happen if you get me into the postseason. I hope they're aggressive. We'll find out. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Fenway. We finally beat Boston on the season. We finally do it. We proved that we can beat a team from the AL East. Even if they've got two of their star players injured, you can follow me on Twitter at Davy Barris. So you can email the show, Cleveland Baseball Mornings at Gmail.com. I never heard from anybody about the Cleveland City Connect jersey ideas. I'm disappointed, morning people. I really thought some of you would chime in on what you thought they could do for some crazy, outlandish jerseys. Uh, if you want, you can email me at Cleveland Baseball Mornings at Gmail.com. Let me know what you would do, what you would theme it after. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.